So we are still in our vision series at Hope. And so with our vision series, we're just basing this off of the radical idea of discipleship to Jesus. Um, we say following Jesus into loving God and loving others. So we are basing everything off of looking at the life of Jesus and saying, Jesus stepped in this world and he lived and then he invited others to follow him, follow in his footsteps in the same life that he lived. So we represent that with three circles. So I'm gonna put that on the screen on the next slide. The way we have that um, laid out in the circles is just life with God, life with each other and lights in the world. And uh, it doesn't have to be up there. That's simply what it is. Life with God, life with each other, lights in the world. And we see that when those things are working together, um, this is not keeping them all separate and making sure we're doing everything right. But simply when we follow Jesus, we see that he stepped into the world with an intimate and prioritizing an intimate relationship with his father. Um, and then he didn't just stay there. He brought a community together to learn from him and to learn to love like him. Um, and then that community didn't stay where it was at. It went out into the world and it brought light into the darkness. And so that's the same thing that Jesus wants for us. Are we good on the slides or are we working or not? Either way. Okay, great. Um, so we are still in Life with God series. And so Life with God tonight, I'm really excited um, because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is our life with God here on earth. The Spirit even means the breath of life. So it's the life of God in us. Um, so disclaimer, I'm not gonna be able to do the Holy Spirit justice tonight as we look at the overview of who the Holy Spirit is. Um, there's so much to cover. So what I wanna do um, is spend some time looking at who do we see overview as the Holy Spirit from scripture. And then I wanna get through with that quickly enough so that we can invite him to speak to us. I don't wanna just talk about the Holy Spirit. I want to spend some time tonight where we pray and we invite him to speak to us about what God has on offer for us with the Holy Spirit. We see this language in the New Testament of be filled with the Holy Spirit or we can quench the Holy Spirit. So my proposition tonight is simply that for all of us as believers, as followers of Jesus, God has more for us in the Holy Spirit. And if you don't know Jesus, he has done everything possible through his death, his resurrection, and his ascension so that you can know him here and now and forever moving on through eternity. And that starts here and now with us through the Holy Spirit. So if you, you're a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit, but God has more for us to step into, to know him in deeper ways. He's, he's offering it to us by his own presence with us. And that's what we're gonna see tonight. Um, and so I'm not gonna have time to go through a lot of that. And we're also not gonna be able to have time to talk about what does it look like for us to hinder the work of the Holy Spirit in our life? What does it look like for us to pursue more of the Holy Spirit in our life? That's coming, but we don't have time to talk about that tonight. We're simply gonna look at who he is. I'm gonna share some stories from my life. Um, uh, Holy Spirit's very precious to me and I love getting to talk about this. Um, and I feel a deep um, conviction from the Father. Um, it feels kind of weird when I'm thinking about it, but it, but to honor the Holy Spirit, um, his desire for us to honor the Holy Spirit. Um, and so we're gonna talk about that. And I'm gonna start off with a quote from a prominent Christian author named A.W. Tozer. You can go to that next slide. The quote from A.W. Tozer is, Satan has opposed the doctrine of the spirit-filled life about as bitterly as any doctrine there is. He has confused it, opposed it, and surrounded it with false notions and fears. 
The spirit-filled life is not a deluxe edition of Christianity. It's, a, it's part and parcel of the total plan of God for his people. And so when I'm gonna talk about who the Holy Spirit is from scripture. To know who the Holy Spirit is from scripture as God reveals himself to us. We always have to start with, with revelation from God. We don't work our way up to God. God comes down to us and he reveals who he is. Um, and so we wanna look foundationally who the Holy Spirit is from scripture. But if we stay there and all we have is correct doctrine about the Holy Spirit, we might as well have never started. It's like having a foundation, a slab, we laid the slab and you build nothing on it. My strong feeling is from the heart of God that the Holy Spirit is not primarily um, a theology or a doctrine to take a stance on, he's a person to know and experience. He's a person to walk with, to keep in step with, to be filled by. And so our, as we look at this, he's a person to know and experience, not just someone to have discussions or arguments about. And I think, I think that does, in our current Christian state, I think that does grieve the heart of God when the Holy Spirit becomes mainly a topic to debate. Um, when it becomes mainly, do you believe the Holy Spirit does this or that? For us, scripturally, we believe that the works of the Holy Spirit, the, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are still in operation of this church. We believe that strongly. I would love to look in scripture and show where that's the case. Um, but when he becomes mainly a topic that we discuss and not a person to know and experience, not our life with Jesus on earth here and now, how discipleship happens for us as we walk with God, um, I think Father wants more for us if we've stopped there and just had that foundation. So we're gonna move into scripture. And the first one thing we're gonna look at is Acts 2.38. This is the first time after um, the Holy Spirit fell that there was a sermon and it was given by Peter. And he gives this long sermon and people are cut to the heart of what they did to Jesus, that they put the Messiah, the son of God to death. And they ask him, what should we do? And he responds, and Peter said, you can go to the next slide. And Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So Peter is saying, this is what Jesus died for, that you would turn from your sins, you'd be baptized. And the result is forgiveness of your sins. You're made right with God and then the gift of the Holy Spirit. That was the first, first sermon, the first response. What, they're convicted, what should we do? And he gives them what to do and he gives them the result. And the result, the final end result, is the Holy Spirit, is the gift of God himself. Now, next slide, we'll move into our teaching, our text, our main text for today is John 16, seven. So in this setting, Jesus, it's called the upper room discourse, it's, chapters 13, 14, 15, 16, and 17 of John, where Jesus is about to go to his death. He's about to be betrayed and tortured and killed. And he's giving and parting his, to his disciples his, his final words, his, his heart, the, the things that he wants them to know before he dies. And so he makes this striking statement to them when he says, nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is kind of like him saying, 
listen, you, you, you really need to believe me when I'm about to tell you, um, because you might not believe it, but here's the reality. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I don't know about you guys, but given the choice of, hey, we can have Jesus, flesh and blood, here on earth with us now, or the Holy Spirit, what are you picking? Jesus says, if you want his advice, if you want his opinion, he says it's better that he go away. And so we have to sit with that and understand and think about even our own experience and think about our lives and think about that statement from Jesus that he would tell us, it's better that I go away because if I don't go away, I can't send the helper to you. I can't send the spirit to you. So he's, Jesus himself is placing great emphasis on this helper, on this spirit that he's to send. So that's where we get to, okay, well, who is the Holy Spirit? Again, I'm not gonna be able to do it justice, but in, um, in the theme and the tradition that, that is one week old of summarizing our sermon into one sentence um, from Steve Liu that, that Randy put into place, um, my sentence is that the Holy Spirit, and you can go to the next slide, is God's personal empowering presence. The Holy Spirit is God's personal empowering presence presence. So what I want to do is just walk through each of those, person, power, and presence. And I want to just look at a few scriptures and talk about it a little bit to show that this is what's on offer from God to us as he gives us the gift of the Holy Spirit through faith in Jesus alone. His gift is his own personal empowering presence. And so that's what I hope to get to tonight where we sit with the Lord and understand and realize what an amazing gift the Holy Spirit is. He's called a gift in scripture. And when we realize the God that we love, the God that we're told that Jesus said the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That God is making himself available to us through the Holy Spirit here on earth. So we're gonna go to personal. The first verse is our teaching test. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It's to your advantage that I go away. For if I don't go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Just simply notice what Jesus says here, that last phrase, but if I go, I will send him to you. Jesus is making the point, the Holy Spirit is not a force. He's not simply a power. He's a person. I will send him to you. We can go to the next Verse John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. He will teach you. And later in John 16, um, uh, I don't have it up there, but he says, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. And later in in other scripture in Ephesians, Paul says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. We notice that we can't, you can't grieve electricity. You can grieve a person. 
You can grieve me, I can grieve my wife, especially those who I'm in closest relationship with, I can grieve a person. And if you wanna take a tour through Acts and look at just how many times you'll see phrases like the Holy Spirit said to do this, or the Holy Spirit prevented them from going here, or the Holy Spirit spoke to Peter and said, there's a couple men at your door, go. And so we see all throughout scripture, and there's plenty more that I don't have time to go through, um, that God's making it clear, it's his own person. It's God himself. And in, a, in, in the same, in the vein of the Trinity, which always we reach our, our, our limit at some point when we consider the Trinity of God is one God, but three distinct persons. Not one God with three personalities, but one God with three distinct persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And notice how Jesus said, the Spirit won't speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he'll speak. It's kind of like Jesus when he said, if you've, seen the, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And he's kind of like saying, if you've heard the Spirit, you've heard me. If the Spirit is speaking to you, it's because I'm with you. It's Jesus' presence with us here and now. And I think one of the beautiful, one of the, one of the most beautiful parts of this reality of him being a person is that there's such an emphasis in these, these references in that upper room discourse of Jesus talking to his disciples about this helper, um, about he will teach you, he will be a teacher, he will remind you of what I've said. He will bring to remembrance the things I've said to you. The best teachers that we have are the teachers that know us. We can get great teaching elsewhere, but when someone knows us intimately and knows especially everything going on inside of us, how much better of a teacher it is that someone would know us and be able to teach us along the way. And this is great news because when we say Christian, we mean we're a disciple of Jesus. So if we're a disciple of Jesus, we have to be a follower of Jesus. Well, for that to be the case, we need Jesus. <laughs> and he's saying, I will be with you. By the Holy Spirit, he'll be with us as a teacher. So we get to follow Jesus because he has provided his own presence with us to know us intimately and to guide us along the way. So this reality of, a, of our Christian life isn't, just a one-time decision long ago. It's a day-by-day -day journey with our Lord to become more like him and to enjoy his presence and to step into the same ministry that he started. Um, one uh, personal story from this um, that um, just seeing God's work in this of knowing me intimately, um, I had this time where I was... Um, uh, I was really struggling like, with bitterness and anger and some resentment to this, to this one person I really felt wronged me. Um, and it got to a point where I was like, okay, God, this is, I'm way off. And so I just started to have a conversation and say, I, I'm, this, is, this is wrong. I need you to help me here. I'm, I'm really struggling with this bitterness and this resentment. Um, and I just gave it to him. And unexpectedly and quickly, I heard, I forgive you, go and do likewise. I forgive you go and do likewise. It was very quick, very simple, but I also knew, I knew that. Jesus has already said it in scripture. He said, 
you must forgive or the heavenly father won't forgive you. Forgive as you've been forgiven. But the Holy Spirit reminded me of what Jesus had already taught me, had already said. He reminded me in that moment, and though it was really simple, his words were so piercing to me because he knew what was going on and he knew that I was harboring the bitterness and what he did was give me his forgiveness and say, now your job is to go give that forgiveness to the person that you feel like has wronged you. And it's those little steps along our journey and the way that he walks with us in that that starts to shape us more into his image. And this, this only comes by the Holy Spirit. This comes by the Holy Spirit. I'm gonna go out of order and we're gonna talk about presence. And go to the next slide, the presence. It's not just person, it's presence. I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. So again, Jesus, in these John 14, 15, and 16 passages, is saying, I'm gonna bring, give you another helper. Here it says, to be with you forever. So it's, just, it's not just the person of God. It's not just God himself, but saying with you, close. And he keeps using that word helper, and there's not a great English translation. It can be translated advocate or comforter. The Greek word for it is paraclete. Um, and the first time I heard what that was, it really was helpful to me because it just simply means to be called to one side. So to be called to one side. And so it's this image that God's presence, his spirit isn't in front of us or behind us. He's right by our side. He wants us to know that what's on offer to us, what God has given us is his presence, Jesus with us, God with us, right by our side. Not far away, not far off. And I love this in um, the next slide in 2 Corinthians 13, 14. Paul's ending a letter to a church in Corinth and he simply signs off this way. He says, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Spirit be with you all. I love that phrase, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. So my question to you is, how much fellowship do you have with the President of the United States? I don't, I don't know this room. I, you guys could surprise me. Um, could be some important people in here. There are important people in here, but I don't know, you might know the President. Um, so how much fellowship do you have with the President of the United States? The President is a person but it doesn't mean that you have fellowship. You may actually know a lot, a lot about the president, either because you like him or you don't like him. You might know a lot about him, but that doesn't mean you have fellowship. And so God's invitation to us is not that we know about the person of God, but through the gift of the Holy Spirit, his invitation is that we have fellowship with the person of God, God's personal empowering presence. God with us. We also see it in Ephesians where Paul uses temple imagery to talk to the church and he says that you're being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. A dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Do you guys feel like you're a dwelling place of God by the Spirit? God wants us to feel that. He wants us to experience it. He wants us to know that. And so since it's God himself, since it's his person and it's his presence with us, we can cultivate that relationship with the Holy Spirit. And we're not gonna go into that 
in depth, but I can imagine a world where I married my wife, Kara. We had a great wedding, honeymoon, came home, and I got an apartment somewhere else from her. And we lived separate lives, but we were married, we got married. I never talked to her and I don't actually live with her, um, but I know that we're married. Um, that wouldn't be much of fellowship, an intimate relationship with my wife that God would want for me. And so I think he wants the same for us to not, to know that we have the Holy Spirit. As believers in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit, but what he wants for you is to know him deeper, to come closer, to come nearer, to be filled with power, to, to walk in, in step with the Holy Spirit and to see him, see what God can do through our lives. So we move to empowering, empowering. Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses because of that power. So I can imagine a scenario. Do you guys know what a rickshaw is? Sorry, you're not supposed to ask questions from stage where there's like a pushed, like hand powered and somebody rides in the carriage behind you, you stick a bunch of people in there. You can imagine a, a world where you got five really stout men in that carriage and you put my wife at the helm to push with her legs this carriage up a hill and say, okay, Kara, go up the hill. She's strong, she's wonderful, but I don't think she could do it. Um, and I can imagine a world where we tell her to do it. And, but then in the steps right next to her, a six foot eight NFL offensive lineman right next to Kara, and they begin pushing that carriage up the hill. She's doing it. It's, it's a person next to her. It's presence, he's near. But it's not just a person and it's not just presence, it's power. It's power. And it makes me think of, of Jesus when he said, take my yoke upon you because it's easy and my burden is light. A yoke was a thing where you hooked up two oxen together to plow a field. And so Jesus is saying, take my yoke on you. So come alongside me, take my yoke on you. And he says, the yoke is easy and the burden is light. The yoke isn't easy because the task is small. The task is to carry on the ministry and work of Jesus. That's impossibly big. The yoke is easy because Jesus is powerful. The yoke is easy is because he's right by your side. The yoke is easy because he's with you. If you're not yoked to him, it is not easy. It is a heavy load. And so he told all those people burdened by the religious obligations, he said, are you weary? Are you heavy laden? Come, take my yoke on you. We're gonna, get, we're gonna step into some work. We're gonna step into some labor. It's gonna be amazing, but because I'm with you, it will be easy. It's a striking statement. So we will receive power. It's not just God with us, but it's his power. And it's easy to think about the power in terms of these large, very drastic, um, amazing miracles or stories but the power that the Holy Spirit offers is also the power to transform us in those hidden places 
in the places of that story of Jesus showing me the bitterness, leading me to forgiveness. That's a small thing, but that's still his power at work. So the next verse is this prophecy from Ezekiel. Go to the next slide. And it, it's a prophecy about the Holy Spirit and what would happen when the Holy Spirit comes. And it says, I'll give you a new heart and a new spirit I'll put within you. I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statues and be careful to obey my rules. Our ability to obey Jesus, as we talk about discipleship, when he says, teach, make disciples, teach them to do all that I commanded you. Saying that the spirit within us is the power to love like Jesus loved. Jesus puts out a incredibly hard example to follow if it's only an example. To love like Jesus, to give your life away like he did, to be ridiculed and not ridicule in return. But he's saying that the spirit within us is what is love and joy and peace and patience, kindness and gentleness and self-control. Against that, there's no law because it's the spirit that's producing the fruit of a life that looks like Jesus. We need the present power of the Lord Jesus to empower us to follow him and all that he commands us. That's what's on offer to us. Um, the next verse, you can go to the next slide. This is Peter talking to some Gentiles and he's telling them what happened with Jesus. And he makes this striking statement. It said, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And he went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power he went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Jesus lived this life that he intended for us to step into. And I know as a followers of Jesus here in this room, if we are Christians and followers of Jesus, God's vision for our life um, isn't sin management until heaven. God's vision for our life is to step into the very ministry of Jesus, the thing that he started to preach the good news to the poor, to see captives set free, to see blind eyes open, to see people healed, to see demons cast out, to see the kingdom of God come in and through us. That's God's vision for our life. And he's saying, Jesus went before us. He went before us. He was anointed with the Holy Spirit and power. He went about doing good destroying the works of the devil because God was with him. And he's saying, this is what I have for you too. This is what I have for you too. The same ministry to not just be shaped into the image of Jesus, to love in those unseen places that no one will ever see. And to be that light in our community by just the way that we love one another. There's this uncommon way that we have unity with one another, the way we love one another. It's impossible unless there's an outside force, unless there's power outside of ourselves. But it's not just that. It's the power to step into 
the same ministry where, where Jesus saw people healed. He saw demons cast out. He saw people that were oppressed set free. And he wants that for us. He's inviting us into that same thing. Um, so I want to share a, a story to, to end. I, I want to share a story that happened to me a couple, like three weeks ago, recently. Um, I want to share the story because I think it, it represents um, every facet of what we talked about, of the personal empowering presence of God in my own life. I also want to share it because most of you in this room know me and you know I'm just Jake. Nobody special. I'm just Jake. You guys know me. We're friends. Um, and if you don't know me, go ask somebody. They'll say, yeah, it's just Jake. It's cool. Uh, so I want to share this, this story. And I, and, I, and, and, I, and I also want to recognize I have a, a million stories that go something like God asked me to do something and it was too hard or scary, so I didn't do anything. And that's the end of the story. I've had a lot of those stories. Um, but thankfully, this one wasn't one of those. It was about um, three weeks ago, <clears throat> and I had a busy schedule. I put off uh, doing my car inspection for like four months. Um, and so I got to the point where it's like, it like a Tuesday. I'm like, all these things going on, schedule's crazy. I'm like, I have a time to go through the car inspection. I'm at my office. I'm going to do my car inspection. So I get in the car, and I head off to do the car inspection. There's a place right not near my office, about five, 10 minutes away. Um, small little shop owned by just one guy. It's very hard to find, but the guy's super nice. So I, I go there every year. My two cars really do a lot for his business once a year. So I think he's really excited um, to see me. And so I get in the car um, and it's a busy day. And so I start driving and I'm about to put something on to play. I think Katie said this, podcast, that's me. I'm gonna put on a podcast or I'll do an audio book. And I stopped, and I, before I turned it on, I just was, Holy Spirit, what, what do you want me to listen to? That was my question to him. What do you want me to listen to? So I just, I wanted to recognize he was with me in the car on a Tuesday going to get my car inspected. So what do you want me to listen to? And I just felt like he told me, don't listen to anything. So like a psychopath, I drove in silence to the car inspection place. Um, and so I'm driving in silence and I just asked, you know, God, what's on your heart? And, and um, I won't use his real name, but uh, the, the guy who owns the little garage who does inspections, I'll call him Aaron. I, I just said, Aaron, is there anything that I need to know about Aaron? <clears throat> and a just very fleeting thought, could have been my own thought. I just felt like I heard in my mind, right hip pain, right hip pain. And it was so quick and so faint that I was like, eh, I don't know about that. Uh, we'll see. And so I go to the, ins the inspection place. The guy's very nice. See Aaron. He does my car inspection. And I'm sitting there waiting for it to be over. I'm like, God, I don't want to. He's like, uh, you have any right hip pain? No, you're not. Okay, goodbye. See you later. See you next year. Um, that was the process I was thinking. I wasn't full of faith here is what I'm trying to explain to you. Um, and so we're, we're, I pay for the car inspection. I'm walking back to my car. I just, what do I have to lose here? Um, hey, you haven't any right hip pain and we're walking in the car and he slows down and he said, I do. And I was like, just, just in your right hip? Again, full of faith. Um, just in your right hip? And he's like, yeah, I was supposed to go see a doctor and I've just been busy and I've been putting it off, but it's, it's, it's bothering me a lot and I can't walk very well. I can't exercise. 
and I've got this, this pain right here. And he showed me, showed me where it was. Um, and I felt like the Holy Spirit told me to put my right hand on, which is awkward because I did this, um, <laughs> put my right hand on his, on, and, uh, and command the pain to leave in the name of Jesus. Well, first he said, before I got to pray for him, he said, uh, how did you know? <laughs> which is a great question. <laughs> how did you know? Um, and I said, I'm a follower of Jesus. Have you heard about Jesus? And he laughed. He goes, yes, I've heard about Jesus. Um, and I just told him I was praying and, and God, um, you were on his heart. You were on his heart. He saw you. He knows you. He loves you. And can I pray for you? And so I did the thing. And, uh, and, I, and I prayed and told the pain to leave in the name of Jesus. And I got in my car and I left. And it was striking because in that moment, <clears throat> I knew um, <laughs> it's, it's so awesome that it's, it's not about me. It's God saw him, knew him, loved him. And I really believe that he was gonna minister to that man some way, somehow. But he wanted to invite me into his work. So two weeks later, um, Kara's car is four months overdue. And, <laughs> um, and so I take uh, her van to work. And because I felt like God said, this is the day, go take her van, um, uh, her van to get inspection by Aaron. Um, and this is the day. And so I'm drive, I drive the boys to school, I go to work. The only problem is her check engine light is on. If you know that, you can't get the car inspection when the check engine light is on. It's an O2 sensor. There's nothing wrong with the car. Don't judge us. Um, so, so, so I couldn't get it inspected because the, the, the sensor was off or was on, uh, the, the check engine light was on. So I was like, I, I, I felt like God was gonna turn it off before I got to the shop. So I'm, I'm gonna go with my plan. We're gonna go to this shop, we're gonna get inspected. So, you know, I get in my car several times, light's still on, light's still on. I was like, I have a meeting at one, I can't, I gotta do it now. So I go, I go to the shop, I get to the, to the red light and it's a red light, thankfully, so I turn my car off, turn it back on to see if the light will go off. It didn't. Um, and then, but then I felt the Holy Spirit say, do it one more time. So I turn the car off, I turn it on, lights off, light turns green. I turn into the shop and I pull into the shop and I get out, I say, Aaron, how's, how's it going? How's the hip? He said, the pain's gone. He said, the discomfort, ever since you prayed for me, the discomfort, like what I've been feeling, the hip was gone. <clears throat> um, and he was kind of like, I don't know if it's power of suggestion or Jesus. Um, and he started telling me a story. He's from Iran. Um, and he uh, kind of shed the Muslim faith in his youth, rebelled, drugs, alcohol. Um, come tell me, he's, he is a Christian. Um, seems n nominally so. Um, not sure he understands the, the fullness of the gospel. But as, as soon as we get out of the car, he tells me the pain's gone. But then he starts diving into his life and he starts to telling, telling me this deep struggle, this deep darkness that's in him, that's going on. It's tearing apart his marriage. It's estranged him from his son. And his wife was there. He calls out his wife. And I'm making a long, this seems like a long story. It could be longer. Um, and, uh, and so he calls his wife out. 
And um, we start having this conversation and we start having marriage counseling in the garage, in the inspection shop. And she's, she's crying because she's a, she's a believer and, and for 14 years, she's really struggled in this marriage. She once was close to Jesus. And I felt strongly that Jesus wants to be close again with you. And she saw that and she started weeping. Um, and I got to pray over them. And I got to see that, that hip pain that got healed was more than that, Jesus wanted to show him that the deep internal darkness that he was dealing with, Jesus could heal that too, wants to heal that too. The stuff that's tearing apart the most important things in his life, Jesus can take care of that too. Just like the hip pain is no problem to him, the internal, the sin struggles, the deep darkness there is no problem to Jesus. And so now I have a new relationship with a friend that I could have never had without the Holy Spirit. There's no way I have that conversation. There's no way I establish that relationship. There's no way that happens unless God is present and powerful. And he is that for all of us in this room. And I want to be more expectant that on Tuesday, God can show up in amazing ways. I wanna be more expectant that I am the dwelling place of God and God changes everything. Jesus changed. And um, I'm gonna put one more quote on the screen in a second. It's by Billy Graham. Billy Graham evangelized all over America. Um, saw the latest, the estimate I saw, over three million people come to know Jesus. Three million people respond to his crusades. So he had a wide ranging influence and also an understanding of the American Christian church. And you can do the next slide and we're gonna read this quote. Everywhere I go, I find that God's people lack something. They are hungry for something. Their Christian experience is not all that they expected and they often have reoccurring defeat in their lives. Christians today are hungry for spiritual fulfillment. The most desperate need of the nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. Notice how he says the most desperate need of our nation today is that men and women who profess Jesus be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not just about us, it's about the world who needs Jesus. So that as we are filled with the Holy Spirit, the very personal empowering presence of Jesus, the world gets healed. People encounter God, the living God through us. A couple weeks ago, Holy Spirit's prompting me to pray at night and I just, I hate praying at night. I'm so tired, I wanna go to bed. Or actually more specifically, I just wanna veg out on something. And so felt like he was telling me to pray um, and, and I was resisting and I was, I'll pray. And I sat down on the couch and was like, I'm gonna, just full transparency here, I'm gonna watch some, some golf videos on YouTube. It sounds pretty spiritual. Um, and he was just like, just pray first. So I start praying. Um, I'll give you five minutes, God. That five minutes turned into an extended prayer because he was really, really speaking powerfully. And what I was praying about was Hope Church. And I just felt God's love and desire for hope in that time as I was praying. And as I was praying, um, all of a sudden, I felt this, um, this question come out of me to God. I don't know other way to explain it. I didn't, it wasn't, I didn't feel like I was, I, that I was asking the question. I felt like God was asking the question to himself. Um, and the question was, how much do you have to give, Father? 
three times, how much do you have to give of yourself? How much more do you have to give? And immediately I heard the answer in a question form. He said, how much more does a spring have to give? How much more does a spring have to give? And I felt in that his deep desire to give us more of himself, not just power, not just ability to work miracles, not, but more of himself. How much more does he have to give of himself to us? As much more as a spring has to give. And so then his question to us also in response to that, I felt was the only question for us is, are we thirsty? That's the only question that remains. It's not on his end of how much he wants to pour the Holy Spirit out on us and in us. The resistance is not on his end. The question to us is, are we thirsty? So I'm gonna do a, a prayer time. So if you could close your eyes, we're gonna spend some time asking God to speak. Um, Cause again, I don't want it to be just me talking. We're talking about the Holy Spirit who's present in this room right now. So as your eyes are closed, just ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you in this moment. And I'm gonna read some words of Jesus over you. And as I read, I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you as I read. These words are, are, are recorded in Luke 11. This is Jesus talking. Jesus says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and it will be opened to you. Everyone who asks, receive and the one who seeks, finds and to the one who knocks, it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion. If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How much more will the heavenly father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? We're gonna ask him a question. Father, if there's more of you to have in, in the filling of the Holy Spirit, what's holding me back? What's holding me back? What would keep me from more of your presence? Some of the things that could hold us back is I've screwed things up too much in my life. It's too much of a mess. I don't deserve more of God's presence. Jesus is taking care of that on the cross. He invites you to drink. Do I believe God actually has more 
to give? Or do I believe he's given me everything he's gonna give me and now it's up to me to perform? Are we believing that? Are we afraid of what will happen if we say yes and we invite him to have his way? Are we afraid of the control that I would lose over my life, where he would lead me and what he would ask me to do? Or is my life set up in such a way that I actually don't need the Holy Spirit to live a respectable Christian life? Or do I just feel unworthy? Jesus gives us his worthiness by taking our place on that cross, by rising from the dead, by being seated at the right hand of the Father. He says, you're forgiven, you're clothed in my righteousness, you're a child of God. I have more of myself that I want to give to you. Psalm 42 says, as a deer pants for streams of water, so I long for you, O God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I go and stand before him? His word to us tonight is, the door is open. And this might take us on a journey and it might be steps, but whatever the case, um, just want us to allow God to speak into this place tonight. We might have lots of questions swirling and um, we might have um, different worries and fears that are confronting us, but I, I just want us to stop and recognize that he's present and he can take care of all of that. He's just, he's asking us to respond to him in this respond to an invitation, not a critique, an invitation of love. So we're going to sing here in a second. So um, when we sing, I invite you to stand and sing. You can still sit and process. We're going to have prayer partners, the front and the corners of the room. I would really encourage us to go get prayer if we feel like we really need prayer in this place, or we feel like we need physical healing. We do need physical healing, or there's some spiritual darkness that's going on in our lives. Come get prayer. God's present here. Or it's just, I want more. I'm thirsty. I am thirsty. I not just want more. I need more of God. It's a time to respond tonight. So as Monica starts singing, stand and sing, come and pray, whatever the Lord leads.